0: I don't know what's going on in your life right now I don't know if you're if you know if you're going through anything if you if you know what despair feels like if you know what hopelessness feels like I don't know if you're believing for family members I don't know if you're what's going on inside of your life but number one thing here folks that I I want us to to really grasp uh, in whatever stage or season of life that we're in is that especially in the crazy times there is a word. There is a promise of the Lord. There's something from heaven that you need to get a hold of. Welcome to the Resurgence Messages podcast. We gather and minister regularly for the purpose of reaching people, reviving churches, and releasing leaders. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you to arise for the kingdom of God. For more information on the ministry of Resurgence and how you can take part, check out LiveResurgence.com. I, I, I'm so honored to. First of all, I, I flew in this morning and, and I saw Travis, and we went out for, uh, for kind of a, a late lunch. And, and uh, Travis, you know, uh, the whole time I've known Travis, seven years, he's always had this voluptuous beard, this, this man who climbs in mountains and, and wrestles polar bears and, you know, flo- throws brown bears off to the side. And here today, I stand before you to say I'm honoured because Travis did something, I believe, for me. He shaved off a big part of his beard and left a moustache. Well, as an Indigenous person, this is the only thing I can grow. I, I can't grow a beard. Uh, this, this tiny little thing that I have that I, that I call a moustache, I don't know if it is, but I think Travis did that for me today. So Travis, thank you for, for doing that. This is the first time that you've, you've revealed your, your moustache in, in public, hey? There it is, man. Look, if you get a chance, he does look like a 1970s detective from New York City with this mustache you got to come take a look at him um, i uh, I just want to my, my name is steve um, i, I uh, run a, a program called the Arctic Hope Project. Uh, it's under the Bill Prankett Evangelistic Association, but the whole mandate is uh, Inuit youth leadership development, suicide prevention, is, is kind of the, the, the long, drawn-out way of saying uh, we believe in a God who can stop suicide, who can stop the, the reasons why kids in Nunavut, uh, for, for you know, as long as I can remember, um, have been taking, taking their lives. And uh, we, we just, in 2014, we started ministering in a community called Cape Dorset. Uh, Bill Prankard, you know, he's infamous for, for traveling all across uh, Arctic Canada, Arctic Russia. Um, you know, he's, he spent 50-odd 50, 50 years ministering, preaching the gospel to, to my people and to First Nation people across Canada. Uh, 25 years ago, started ministering to nomadic uh, Inuit living in Arctic Russia that the Russian government had forgotten about entirely. He heard back in 20, 25 years ago that they were uh, Inuit who were just living on the land the way that, you know, they had been since the dawn of time, we, we might say. And uh, 25 years ago, found out that there was no roads, there was no airports, there was no helicopters that would go. And Bill Prankard, you know, said to his team, one of the things you'll find about people who are filled with faith, who know, you know, kind of the mandate that God has given them, they're unreasonable. And Bill Prankard said to his team 25 years ago. He said, well, if we can't, you know, take a plane, if there's no airports, if there's no roads for us to drive, if there's no, you know, if there's no helicopters that'll take us, well, we're going to, we, we need tanks. And uh, the team said, come on, that's, that's not even an option. And sure enough, it was an option. So they, they went in tanks, 46 hours, one way to find small little pockets of nomadic Inuits who'd never heard the gospel before, found them just out in the tundra out in the land, out where, where people have forgotten about them entirely. And um, this, this type of ministry, extreme missions, taking the gospel to people who don't have it, this has been one of the key kind of staples of Bill Prankard uh, since he met Jesus uh, 50, you know, 50 years ago. And um, seven years ago, he hired my wife and I to come up with a bit of a solution to, to stop suicide in, in uh, Nunavut. Well, I mean, I I grew up in Ottawa. My my mother comes from Nunavut. I'm half Inuit, half Scottish. Um, I I live in Ottawa with my wife and and five beautiful girls. Uh, I believe we've got some pictures up there for you guys. There they are. There's all five of them. So we have Claire the oldest. She's holding uh, uh, Elizabeth. In the middle is Ada. And then we have Ezzie and Anna uh, on the the left. Becky and I have been married uh, now nine and a half years um claire is, is seven years old uh she's our oldest and, and uh, we, becky and i were living in edmonton at the time when the lord said hey try for uh, try for a child and um we had three girls right and then and what do you do when, I mean, I, as a guy, I, I've, I've played rugby for all my life, and, and I said, man, I mean, I, I guess I, I could teach rugby to my girls, but I, I want a son to, to pass on whatever rugby knowledge I have, right? And so after our third child, I said, babe, we have to try for a number four. I'm, I'm going to muster up all of my faith, all of my belief, all of my hope in God for a son. And, um, and we, we gave it one more go. Got pregnant October 2019, right? Found out January 2020 that... Uh, while we were having twins. And so I said to the Lord, God, you, you answered my prayers. And not only did you answer my prayer for a son, you've given me two. And this was my attitude. This was January 2020, right? I'm like, look at this. God, you're so good. And then carried that, that you know, that heartfelt praise to the Lord for, for three months. March 2020, found out, uh, the gender of, uh, and it's one gender, by the way, I mean, they're girls, um, found out the gender of both babies and it was girls and, and that was it. I said, that's it. I'm done. We're, we're done having kids. I said, with this kind of humor of the Lord, I mean, I, th- I think the Lord has a sense of humor, uh, but I said, that's it. I'm done. I mean, I'm the only man in a household of, of women. I uh, left them this morning. They were all still sleeping. I travel, in, uh, you know, and that's kind of my occupation. The girls are amazing. They're all healthy. Um, they, they honestly are a blessing of the Lord. And I'll kind of finish you know, this whole story with, with one more joke. But I found out you know, when, we, when we discovered we are having twins, and they were, they were girls, um, I, I searched the Scriptures. I said, there's not a man in the Bible. There can't be, as, as you know, listed as having five daughters. And sure enough, there's one guy. And his name translated from Hebrew into English means dark shadow. <laughs> this guy died in the wilderness, never even made it into the promised land. And I just thought like, oh boy. And <laughs> for the run of my life. It's, it's wonderful to be here tonight. Um, I, uh, I, I believe I, I've, I've got a word from the Lord for you. I, like one of the things I love about um, Philippians 4, 8, right? The... the 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 idea here is is he gives us a pretty good idea of of look there's a lot of things in our lives that that can distract us there's all kinds of bad reports there there's you know in this last kind of year and a half of our lives in fact two years since the since covid was mentioned two years ago i I, I just felt like many christians many believers have been living in this state of fog afraid of of you know this afraid of that uh like i i remember when when what was it? It was March of, of 2020. I remember a buddy of mine, when, when there were the first ca- cases of COVID-19 in Ottawa, a buddy of mine never left his house for three months. And, you know, we, there was a great amount of concern in all of this stuff. And, but I, I just feel like we've been living in this state of, of what's going on. Philippians 4.8 gives us a pretty clear understanding of what we're supposed to be doing. If there's anything that is praiseworthy, anything that's good, Anything that's a good report. Anything that that lifts up Jesus' name. These things, folks. These things. We need to be reminded of. And I've got a few things. I I really want to inspire your hope. I want to challenge your faith. Tonight, I I, I want to talk about some of the things that God is doing uh, among Canada's indigenous people. And um, Jesus did something so long ago. That made it possible for you and I to have this hope, to have this, this possibility for our lives to change, for our lives to get better. And, um, and tonight, I, I just really want to kind of share a few things. Um, and if you turn with me to, we're going to go to 2 Kings, 2 Kings 6. Is there any kids in the room? <clears throat> And in verse 24, it says, Sometime later, however, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mustered his entire army and besieged uh, uh, Samaria. As a result, there was great famine in the city. Uh, the siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of uh, dove's dung was sold for 5 pieces of silver." And, I mean, I don't know, there are some kids. So, like, I'm, I'm going to skip the next part of that story. It gets pretty brutal. <clears throat> but there's this, this kind of context created around how insanely bad it was for the people in this city. Right? I mean, not only are they surrounded by the enemy, uh, people that want them all wiped out, gone. So they have that threat. But because of this the supply chain is cut off there's a famine in the land they have no food it goes on to say there that that dove's poop is being sold for money and people are eating it donkey's heads desperate times found themselves in a really really wild time um, you know so 2014 is when when we started ministering in cape dorset cape dorset uh, an 11-year-old boy took his life there, and, and he was the youngest uh, you know, in, in all the, the cases of people who have who've died by suicide in Nunavut. He was the youngest. And it was at that point in time that Bill Prankert said, you know, look, we, we need to come up with a solution. We need to figure this whole thing out. And so he brought us on, and, and we said, where, sorry, where do we even start with this? Like, I, I'm, I'm, My family comes from there. I understand some of the reasons why people do. Um, you know, just given trauma and all the craziness and everything that, that people are dealing with, but where do you even start with this type of thing? Well, we said, Lord, if, 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 if anything can happen here, you're surely the one to do it. And so we, we, we just started. Travis came up for our first, uh, first one uh, in 2015. We, uh, we had our first Arctic Hope Youth Conference. And the long and short of it is we would create moments for kids who've gone through wild things, who have pain in their lives, who have broken parts of their of their hearts. You know, we would create moments for them to encounter Jesus. And a lot of it looked like kind of tonight where we'd have a we'd bring up, you know, worship teams and we'd be there for a weekend and and we'd have some really great meetings. But in those meetings, the presence of God would fall and kids who were hearing, you know, who were hearing voices, they were hearing things that weren't there, um, the voices would stop. And kids, you know, who, who, who felt so anxious that they couldn't sleep for, for nights and nights and nights because of these terrible dreams that they were being tormented by evil spirits with. In these moments in the presence of God, all of that changed. And it was, it was amazing to see just, you know, the, the, the change in kids' eyes of, of you know, anxiety and, and despair and hopelessness and pain and anger. Uh, when they entered the church, we began to lift up the name of the Lord. We began to praise God and, and really just say, God, you know, you do something here. You're the only answer that these kids have. Let's just believe God for something. Moment that the Lord would, would show up. That these kids would, would feel, you know, this peace. They would feel this love. They would feel something that they're so desperately needing. In a moment, these kids, they would just fall apart. We'd pray for kids. We, we'd minister to them. We, we'd, you know, prophesy over them. We'd, we'd get them delivered from whatever it is that, that was, you know, holding them bound. And then we would just say, look at what God's doing. So 2014 is when we, when we launched. It uh, was the summer of 2015, that uh, I'm traveling back from one community in the central part of Nunavut. It's a massive territory. There are 25 communities. Uh, we've traveled to every one of those 25 communities. we preach preached the gospel in every community. We've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Inuit give their hearts to the Lord. Right now we're, we're launching, you know, we're, we're, we've created a, a discipleship program really just to work with local uh, teams on the ground. So, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a very exciting thing, but... 2015, you know, I, I, I'm coming down, and I'm, I'm very frustrated about the, the state of the local church in this community, how many kids, you know, need help, and I'm just saying, Lord, I, I'm frustrated. I fly down to, um, uh, to Edmonton, then I'm picked up, and I, I'm, I'm out in uh, Stony Plain. I'm at a church there for, for a conference. Bill was there, and there's a whole host of other uh, guys from the city here that were just, just believing God for something amazing. And in the worship there, I, I'm just, like we were just here, in the, in the presence of God, I said, Lord, I just, I, I, I give it to you. I don't know what, what, what's going to happen, but surely you have an answer. Right there in worship, the Lord gave me a vision. And I saw all of Nunavut, every single community. I saw something happening. I saw arenas packed out night after night after night of people who, who, uh, were, were drug and alcohol addicted, of, of men who were abusers, of, of kids who were broken in their hearts, and you know, parent, uh, w- women who had who, you know, gone through all kinds of things. In this vision, I saw night after night after night, they were showing up to meet Jesus. And every single Nunavut community was, was in this golden, you know, glorious light. And as a result, the Lord said, I'm going to stop suicide in Nunavut. He said i'm going to stop it and he said not only that though but i'm going to heal the family unit he said i'm going to restore that which the enemy had taken and he said watch what i'm about to do and in this vision i'm i'm, I'm standing there at this church in stony plain and i'm weeping God showing me what, what's going to happen here and i'm just in awe of what, what i'm seeing the vision kind of finished and 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 at the end of the vision i saw the the headlines of the national post and the globe and mail The the National Post said, uh, God is alive in Canada. And the the Globe and Mail said, suicide has been stopped in Nunavut. This is the the vision, this is the fire that burns within me, right? I mean, if you've ever had anything anything from God in your life, if you've ever had a dream, a a vision, something that God has deposited in your life, you know that you can't shake it. And one of the things that I I love about that type of thing is no matter what comes at me, no matter what I see, no matter what the reports I get, because of that vision, because of the word of the Lord, we can see these things and we can say, it's happening right now, absolutely. But that's not where we're going. Amen. And so in 2 Kings here, very desperate story they're surrounded (laughs) they've got no food it's an entire city filled with people who are desperate desperately needing uh, basic basic needs there's no supply well if you just go to the next verse Sorry, the next chapter in verse 1, it says, Elijah replied, listen to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, the the, the markets of, of Samaria, five quarts of choice flour will be the cost of one piece of silver, and ten quarts of barley grain will only cost one piece of silver. So in the midst of all of this desperation, of all of this hopelessness, of all of this despair, of all of this confusion, of all of the controversy, there's a word of the Lord. God speaks. And I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know if you're, if, you know, if you're going through anything, if you, if you know what despair feels like, if you know what hopelessness feels like. I don't know if you're believing for family members. I don't know if you're, what's going on inside of your life. But number one thing here, folks, that I I want us to to really grasp uh, in whatever stage or season of life that we're in, is that especially in the crazy times, there is a word of the Lord. There is a promise of the Lord. There's something from heaven that you need to get a hold of. Amen. Okay so in verse 3 it says now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates they said why are we sitting here waiting to die (laughs) we will starve if we stay here but with the famine in the city we will starve if we go back there so we might as well go out and surrender to the Armenian army if they let us live so much better if they kill us we would have died anyway. (laughs) These four guys, I mean, these four friends are just, they're taking an honest stock of what's going on inside their lives. They're just like, hey, man, this is bad. Number one, they don't want us in there because we have leprosy. Because of the condition of our lives, we can't go in there. We're starving. If we go in, we'll die. If we stay here, we die. Where do we go here? Let's go to the, the enemy camp. So twilight, it says in verse 5, they set out from the, uh, they set out from the camp of the uh, Ramians, And when they got to the edge of the camp, there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the army, the entire army, to hear a clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of great armies approaching. They said, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians to attack us. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. In verse 8, it says When the lepers arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. Finally, they said to each other, This is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't even sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. <laughs> so one question I, I think we should ask ourselves is, is, what are you supposed to do when, when there's craziness all around you? What are, you, what are you supposed to do when, when you're only getting bad reports or you're, you're in a season of desperation, you're in a season of, of controversy? What, what are you supposed to do? Well, number one, there needs to be a word of the Lord. There's a promise of God in there. Number two, I think these four lepers, they really are, they, they really should be us, the church. I've I've seen God do amazing things, right? Travis, one time we were up in a community called Kimmerut, right? And Kimmerut is is a small little community in Nunavut of about 400 to 450 people. And in this community, uh, this was the the first kind of uh, phase of the Nunavut-wide Arctic Hope Tour. And uh, in this community... I I cold called the, uh, like, I just called the high school. And I said, look, my story is I was abused at 16 years old by a guy in the church. And I said, for years, you know, I I lived with shame and anger and hatred and all of this craziness. And then I I became legal drinking age in Quebec. So I said, I started drinking. And uh, I drank for, I partied for a year. And then I realized that if I continued this way, I would become an alcoholic. I just knew it. I knew that my life would not be the thing that I, I, I wanted it to be. So I'm telling the high school principal, you know, the, the people I'm bringing with me to this community, uh, we want to give a, a presentation on hope. We want to talk to your students about hope. And I said, we, you know, we, we've, we've got a guitar to give away. We just want to come and have a, a couple moments with your students to tell them that it's possible for them to come through awful things. One of the other guys that, that was with us at the time, traveling uh, with me in the Arctic Hope Tour, um, he was suicidal as a teenager and how god healed him and then the high school principal said absolutely come on in and so we went to kimerud we gave a high school presentation travis myself and my buddy uh Braden, we were all there we we shared the gospel in the school and uh we, we said at the end of our presentation they gave us 45 minutes a whole period to talk to their, their high school students and there was like uh, i mean half of the room here is is how many kids were in this 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 uh, classroom and we said, look, now tonight we're going to be at the, uh, the Anglican church, the only church in town. We're going to be there tonight, 7 o'clock. Uh, come on out if you want to hear a little bit more of, of how we, we got healed, how we found hope. And so we show up at the, the small little church. The church could fit inside this section of pews over here, a really old church, right? I mean, the building was like 110 years old. Uh, used to be in like, I mean, this community was a Hudson's Bay uh, trading post before Inuit were were relocated to the community. And so there's a small little church there. We show up, 40 kids come in, and um, it's going amazing. Travis is, is I I think at the time he'd just come back from Burundi in in Africa on on a missions trip there, and Travis is is sharing a testimony. He's telling a story of how God healed someone in that that meeting in, in Africa. And just as Travis is sharing this story, right, I've got my camera, I'm taking some B-roll shots. Just as this is going on, again, we've got 40 kids, 40 teenagers in in this room. In stumbles in this very drunk man, right, and he smelled like stale urine and he had stains all over his jacket. This is the month of February, so it's cold outside and he just kind of stumbled in. And one of his arms was, was tucked inside of his jacket. It wasn't even in the sleeve. And I just thought, oh, God, please. I, I mean, I, I want him to get, say, I want him to meet you. But I'm like, I, I don't want there to be any risk to these kids. He looks like he's about ready to throw up on us, man. I'm like, God, please, let's just, you know, exercise a bit of control over this guy, if you please, Lord. And... Um, as Travis, you know, is sharing this, this testimony, he said, look, and, and a guy sitting over here to my right, God healed him miraculously of a broken arm. And as Travis is sharing the story in Kimberood, in this small little community, this man stands up and starts screaming. Screaming at the top of his lungs. I missed all of these teenagers. And I said, God, <laughs> this is literally the thing I asked not to happen. Stands up, throws his jacket off, starts waving his arm wildly, screaming. And uh, Travis has the, the wisdom to say, hey man, what's your name and what's going on with your arm? Well, the guy tells us his name and he goes on to say that two weeks before we got there, he was very, very intoxicated, very drunk, walking around town, slipped on some ice, fell and broke his arm. Instead of going to the health center, he continued to drink, And a couple days later, got very drunk again, went walking around town, slipped on some ice, fell on the same arm. The only reason why he came into the church that night was because the doors were open and it was warm inside. Wanted nothing to do with what we were talking about. Just, it was warm. Man stumbles in, meets Jesus. God heals his broken arm right there in the church. 20 of the 40 kids put their hands up at the end of service and said, I want to meet this person who healed that man. I want to meet this Jesus. How how do I, oh, I have to say a prayer? I have to invite Jesus into my life? I have to ask him to forgive? Absolutely. I want to know that person. 20 kids gave their hearts to the Lord. Travis and I had nothing to do with what what was going on there. We showed up. We said, here's space for us to uh, create opportunity for God to meet kids. And God showed up and did a a miracle in that community. So often I think our our walk with God, our journey in faith, our our, our walking out this hope that we have with Jesus, it very much is like these four lepers. Not a whole lot of options for us to to do. Either we we stand in faith or we don't. Either we, we, we live out this hope that we have in Jesus or we don't. You know, the options are really quite simple. Either there is a God and He can do things, or it's it's not real. And either God can, can partner with, with my faith, either God can partner with my prayers, or, or there's there's nothing. We need to be like these four lepers. We just start to shuffle along in our broken mess. <laughs> We just got to say, God, If maybe something will happen. Maybe that's the best option. Maybe there, there's something here that, that can change the environment. Let's get moving. These four lepers, they get shuffling along. And as their, their broken bodies are, you know, falling apart, I mean, it's a disease that literally eats flesh. I mean, they, they're not the sightliest guys. But in this story... Isn't it amazing how God uses their shuffling along, uses their inadequacies, uses, you know, what little they have to win the day for the people of Israel? This crazy thing happens where the the army that is, you know, literally starving out an entire city is about to commit genocide. God does this thing uses what minuscule effort these guys were, were were exercising here saved an entire city with I don't know, you know, I don't know how it works. I I I mean I'm am I'm, I'm a minister. I, I I preach the gospel. I I bring hope to people. Um, I don't always know how how this whole thing works. Like I I with kids who are hearing voices. And it's just God please touch them. God, they, they need something that, that you have. Jesus, you paid a, a huge price for that child there. Will you touch them? Travis, again, and I, we were in a, in a reserve called um, Cross Lake in, in northern Manitoba. Uh, this was back 20, in 2016. And it was, a, I mean, this, this was third or fourth trip that we'd been on uh, at this point. And, and, um, and anyway, uh, there, there were 240 suicide attempts within a two-week period among their teenagers in this reserve. It's the largest reserve in, in all of Manitoba, and it was, it was an, a national state of emergency for them. The Red Cross showed up, all of this stuff, all of the support, all of the, you know, the media attention, and Crossroads. crossroads have, you know, Hunter and Huntley Street has been very supportive of the Arctic Hope Project, uh, really since, since the beginning of, of our ministering in, in Cape Dorset. And uh, they, they said, hey, Steve, you know, is there any way that you guys can go and just figure out what's going on? Well, we'll send you. And uh, Bill at the time said, no, Steve needs to go with, with a buddy. They've got to go and minister together. Uh, pay for both of their flights, their hotels, and, and let's just see what happens. So Trav and I show up. We, we you know, we, we blocked off about five days uh, in, uh, in Mar- April of 2016. And we just said, Lord, maybe maybe something will happen maybe you know there's there's something that we can we can be a part of here and um, we set up some meetings we we booked out the uh, one of the churches in town uh, we gave away pizza i think the one of the nights but uh, the saturday afternoon there was this wild thing that happened where there was a brand new gas station that was that was opening up there and in this gas station there were about nine or ten um uh, slot machines there so you know it was this big thing all this you know about a thousand people came out that day and uh, we met up with Catch the Fire Winnipeg. They, they sent us a team the same time that we were there. <clears throat> we're, we're there and we're trying to, you know, talk to people about Jesus. And this little boy comes up, uh, 13, I think he was 11 at the time, comes up and he says, are you guys Christians? Well, I mean, we, we were the only kind of white people in town. I mean, It's pretty obvious that we're, we're Christians, you know, is kind of what I thought. And... Um, And so, you know, we we said, yeah, man, we're Christians. And he said, I need you to pray for me. I've got pain in my stomach. Right? And we said, okay, yeah. I mean, Jesus paid a price for this. Psalm 103 gives us a a very clear uh, definition of what God wants to do for our bodies. And it says that that he forgives all of our sins and heals all of our diseases. So we said, okay, uh, Devin, there's a promise for you in the Bible. Here it is. God, would you heal his body? And we, we prayed a quick prayer, said amen. And we said, how do you feel? And he said, I, I feel the same. There was no trumpeting angels. There was no, you know, voice from the heavens that came down. It was a simple prayer. God, please do what you said that you would do. Boy ran off, you know, and we said, hey, man, tonight at 7 o'clock, we're going to be at the church. Bring a few friends. We'll have some pizza. And he said, okay. Showed up at 7 o'clock that night. In fact, it was a little bit later than that, if we're being honest uh two years two two hours later you know but anyway who's who's counting and he showed up and this kid went on to tell us that immediately after we prayed for him he ran to the uh, health center had the nurse check out his stomach what he didn't tell us was that he he knew that there was something wrong and and the nurses had been they'd been monitoring him because there was a growth in his stomach causing him major pain major discomfort And uh, this 11-year-old boy was, was, you know, in some degree of anxiety. The nurse was feeling around, and and she said, Devin, what what did you do with the growth? (laughs) What what does the kid have? the kid, he said, what do you mean, what did I do? He said, some people prayed for me, and it's gone now. And she said, no, no, come on, we don't believe in any of that hocus-pocus stuff. What happened to the growth? What did you do with it? And the boy, you know, this 11-year-old kid is like, oh, wow. I think God healed me. And and off he ran. And so he came and told us this that night. The whole team, like all of us, we were praising God. We were like, look at this miracle. Look what happened. Heaven touched this boy's life today. Amazing. As we're praising God, as we're thanking the Lord, this kid starts speaking in different voices. And we're like, oh, look at that. There's an evil spirit inside this, this kid. So, you know, we took, uh, we took command over this thing. Um, and, and one of the team members said, hey, you know, I, the Lord just spoke to me and said that um, you need to forgive someone in your life. That because of unforgiveness, you've opened up some doors to some stuff that you don't want inside your life. And this kid, I mean, he, <laughs> I remember his face. He said, I'll never forgive the person that you're talking about. He said I know exactly what it is I'll never forgive that person and when we said well look why don't why don't we just pray and ask that Jesus's love touch your heart and he agreed to it and we prayed for him and we asked Jesus's love to fill this little boy's life the kid started crying he started weeping and he said his father's name he said that when he was three years old eight years before we got there his father got very drunk Um, grabbed the, the gun and was going to end the entire family that night. Didn't happen, obviously, but he said that he was so filled with hatred towards his father that he vowed never to say his father's name ever again. Right there that evening, a few of us show up and we say, God, you know, let heaven touch this reserve. Let heaven touch some lives here. There are people out there, folks, who need the very thing that we have inside of us right now. And the wild thing is we are active partners with God in bringing that kingdom to them. That boy that night got that John ten ten scripture, healed of his physical you know, ailments, delivered of, of, of demonic spirits you know, tormenting his life. And had his heart absolutely transformed in a moment. It was, it was the, the most radical expression of John 10.10 10 that I've ever seen. This kid living his life abundantly. Because some people shuffled along and said, Lord, would you use me? Would you take whatever it is that I have inside of my body, inside of my heart, inside of my voice, with these hands. God, would you use me? I want to be an active partner in whatever it is that you want to do today. One of my favorite verses in, in Revelation is Revelation 19.10. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to that scripture. Uh, I was at a church just last weekend in, uh, in Moncton. And the, the hilarious thing about this church is uh, they, they bring Bibles to the church. The pastor says, hey, if you're, if you're going to bring your Bible to church, don't bring your phone. Don't bring your phone, bring a, bring a physical Bible. And so I asked the church, you know, turn, your, turn with me to whatever scripture, and, and I heard pages. I heard the whole room full of pages. And I said, man, that's, that's been a while since I've heard that. Revelation 19.10, you scroll down uh, to the end of the verse, and it says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. One of the like the thing about that verse is, if you have anything in your life, any story, anything that, that God has, has intervened on, anything that you've ever heard of God doing something to, to someone else, anything like that, you're sharing it with people, is literally prophesying to them that it's possible for God to do the same thing to them. Like, one of, the most, one of the things that, that I, I'm just always blown away by is what, what the enemy intended to do to kill me, to wipe me out at 16 years old by this man in the church who, who you know, himself was abused when he was 8 years old. The enemy intended to really, you know, damage my life at, at, at that young age. What God did through all of that brings hope to the entire territory of Nunavut right now. One of the things we discovered when we, when we started doing some research and, you know, like suicide rates and all of the, the factors that, that people are dealing with, my people are dealing with in Nunavut right now, one of the things we discovered is that uh, children between 11 to 17 right now, uh, in like the high 70 percentile, have been or will be sexually abused by the time they hit 17. Tremendous amount of brokenness. Um, that, that, that so many kids in the North are dealing with right now. And arguably, it's very similar, you know, unfortunately, on, on First Nation reserves. Um, it's an awful thing, folks. But there's a promise in it. There's a promise that Jesus, there's a promise that God can and will stop suicide, that God will heal the brokenhearted, that God will... Do something across indigenous Canada that will cause such a healing movement, folks, that it'll never be the same ever again. Amen. amen. Look, it's not 10 o'clock. I, amen. We I mean, were talking about the salvation of, and healing. Amen. amen. My word. God's about to do something. God is doing something, but we're about to see this type of thing Spread to every reserve, every Inuit community, every household, because God does what he says he's going to do. Um, One of the, you know, one of the questions we get sometimes is, Stephen, like, uh, you know, Nunavut's too big, Uh, problems in my family, it's too big, you know, we don't know how to really, we don't know how to see this type of thing happen. Like, it's cool, you know, the stories of you going and God touching lives, but I mean come on like what can god do in my life right now well i'll share this this one quick testimony and then and then i, I want to spend a moment in prayer 2017 we had this 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 wild uh, really cool partnership with um around 88 churches um of the pentecostal assemblies of eastern ontario district right so that's like east of young street all the way to quebec there are 88 churches and all of the women's networks in all of those churches uh, partner to pray for to support financially uh, the the Arctic Hope Project, and they said, Stephen, do you have anything going on this year that we can we can tangibly you know give towards, but then also things that we can pray for? And I said, Yeah, this year we're launching in a new community, uh, our leadership development uh, curriculum. We're launching in a new community, so let's really just saturate that that place in prayer. Let's give you know brand new baby supplies to all the families, the mothers there. Let's just love on this town. And they said, Great. And so I gave them some prayer points. I want you to pray for families. I want you to pray for young people. I want you to pray for the ending of suicide in this community. And these 88 churches, the women's uh, groups in all of these churches, for one whole year, they, they partnered with us. They ran with us. And, um, you know, all throughout the year, there was nothing really dramatic happening. We took a couple of teams up and had some really awesome times with the Lord and kids encountering Jesus. At the end of the year... Uh, a news article was sent to me, and it, it's... Uh, Nunatsiak News is, is the, uh, the news source. It's Nunavut's uh, local newspaper. The headline read that there was not a single suicide in that community through the entire calendar year. Wow. Folks, that hadn't happened in 17 years. For 17 years, there was at least one person in my mother's hometown community that had died by suicide. And the year that the church said, Lord, here are some very specific things that we're believing you for. Lord, we we know that you're a big God. We we know that you're a God who's parted seas before. We know that you're a God who sent Jesus to die for us. We know that you're that same God. Will you do these things in the small little community of 1,400 people? Not a single suicide. It was a big praise God, hallelujah moment. You know, we sent that report out to all of these churches. It was amazing. But when we, when we were starting the, the Arctic Hope Tour, like I called this high school uh, in January, just after our third daughter was born, and um, his name was Mike. Uh, I said, Prin- Principal Mike, we want to come. We want to glove on your kids. We want to give away guitar, acoustic guitar. We want to give a hope presentation. Um, but we can't come until March. He said, Stephen, can you get here right now? And I said, "Uh, no. No, I said, I'm on house arrest. My wife just gave birth to our third daughter. I said, I'm not leaving. I cannot leave for another, you know, five weeks. And he said, Stephen, we need you here right now. He said, we don't know what to do with these teenagers. We've had 30 attempt uh, to take their lives in the first few weeks of this month alone. And he said, we don't get it because last year, like mental health in the community was at an all-time high. Right? Not a Christian guy. Secular, you know, no real understanding of... A lot of the things that we're, we're talking about here are spiritual in nature. Spiritual in their influence. And I said, you know, man, I'm really sorry. We, we can't get there right now. Um, March is, is when we, we can come. So we went in March, and we gave a, you know awesome high school presentation. Great attendance there. Uh, the guitar was given away. A uh, large number of their kids came out to our... our um, you know, services in the, in the church, their local church, um, prayed for 23 of those 30 kids. Every single one of them heard voices. Voices never stopped. Voices kept going. All 23 of those kids, the moment we laid hands on, began to pray for them. Voices stopped. Peace fell on them. They began to cry out of pure exhaustion because this, this thing... These, these things that they had no language for. We understand them, that they are demonic. They are absolutely evil spirits. They stopped. Amazing times in ministry, folks. But God is needing us to be active partners in this, 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 you know, this growth of the kingdom of God. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? I want to read Isaiah uh, chapter 6 and verse 8 over us. And I just pray that it would really just, uh, we we would hear it echo inside of us. And Isaiah says, "I, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. Father, in this time um, of of Christmas and in this time where, you know, the uh, the year's kind of being wrapped up. Father, in this time of family, in this time of, um, yeah, just enjoying so many amazing things that we have here in Canada. Father, I pray that we would all feel... We'd all feel a a holy burden to win souls, to make disciples, to be active partners in this this walk with you, God. Father, I pray that our hearts would be open to you. Father, I pray that we would be filled with courage. Father, I pray that we would be willing to to, uh, look shameful even for a moment. In sharing this amazing faith, this amazing hope, this this thing that every person who doesn't know you uh, needs. Wow. Lord, I thank you that uh, that you're just looking for people to start shuffling, to, to start moving, to start, you know, Moving towards you in in whatever way that looks like, Father, I pray that we would all uh, answer this call, that we all would feel this mandate. We would all feel this 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 sense that um, we we need to get uh, we need to get moving. We need to get praying. We need to get praying for family members like we've never prayed before. We need to pray with faith. We need to pray with expectation. We need to put a some some demands on 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 you know. Family members encountering Jesus. Father, I pray that we would all see people who are lost, people who don't know you, people who need healing, who need a touch from heaven. Father, I pray that we would all see it with our own eyes. And God, I pray that we would become addicted to that addicted to seeing the kingdom of heaven grow addicted to seeing those who the enemy has his hand on uh, having those grips ripped off in jesus name father we thank you for the for the for the work that you're doing in this ministry father i thank you for travis i thank you for his team father i thank you that uh that that they have a real sense of 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 getting busy of of growing the kingdom of God, of making disciples, of, of reaching the lost. Lord, I pray that there would be fresh oil on what they're doing. Father, I pray that there would be fresh fire on what they're doing. Father, we call in the signs, the wonders, the disciples. Father, we call in those who, who are most unlikely to come to church. Father, we call those ones in. And God, would you give us uh, even just momentary strategies on how to be active partners with you in this work. Lord, I thank you for this, this, this church. Lord, I thank you for uh, the, the, the staff and the pastors here. Father, I thank you for the mandate of this, this church in this part of Edmonton. And Lord, the same thing. We call in the lost. We call in souls. Lord, we call in the harvest. Father, we call in uh, your spirit to to move in this this uh, in the neighborhoods and in the area father I thank you God that you are going to save Edmonton and what you're going to do in this city is going to be so amazing it's going to be so so just incredible to witness and to be a part of but Lord you're looking for people you're looking for people who will say Father send me Lord send me Lord I'll go Lord I'll be a vessel Lord, use my hands, Lord, use my prayers, use my voice, use my heart. Father, I pray that every one of us would answer you in that fashion. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We hope that you were blessed. For more information about Resurgence, including how you can take part of this great movement, visit www.liveresurgence.com.